to this week's episode of The Purple Rock. We have a very odd episode this week because we've already recorded this, but we're going back and recording again because my audio was completely lost. And as fun as it would have been to have Andy talking entirely to himself for most of an hour, we decided to go ahead and give it another go-round. So on that note, here is the hideous cocoon to my beautiful butterfly, Andy. Well, at least I know how to capture audio, unlike some people. Dot, dot, dot. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. And and welcome back to my podcast, Andy. I'm so glad you could join me again. This clearly is yours, even though it came within you know, just minutes of being completely my podcast. In fact, even some of our listeners are like, I don't see what the problem of not John's audio not being there. Yeah, and if uh, you mention something like that on Twitter, prepare to be built. Prepare to be blocked. Oh, that's another thing. We are not even going to put an effort into editing this week. So you're going to hear a lot of ums. You're going to hear a lot of stalling and pausing and stuff that we would normally edit out. But we're not going to put that effort in this week. Yeah, usually this is just a smoothly edited, you know, finely honed hour or so of podcasting, much like, you know, what you see Survivor itself. This week you're getting like what the Big Brother live streamers get. Yeah, and uh, you're not going to hear a whole lot of beeps that we had in the original episode for Morgan boob jokes. We're just going to cut those out so we don't have to risk editing in a beep button. Yeah, it's too bad. We were going to retire the Morgan jokes with this podcast, and then, meh, our hearts are already not in it. It's International Women's Day. We want to get back to being, you know, the men we can be proud of. So, uh, congratulations. We'll now talk hey, about you like a person. Speaking of men we can be proud of... We lost Bryce this episode. And it's so weird. If you go back and listen to our preseason, you might go back. Even if you listened to it before, just keep going back and listening. It's good stuff. Uh, we couldn't wait to be rid of Bryce. We were so sure he'd be the first boot. And then we were right about that, but we were wrong about wanting him to go because I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Yeah, we suspected, and I think Bryce even hinted that he might be a Colton. He was not a Colton. He was... Far and above what Colton ever brought to this show. It was the Colton they wanted you to have if Colton didn't suck so much. The Colton that doesn't suck. Yeah, and so I, of course, jumped on the Bryce baggin, Bryce bandwagon a couple hours before the episode aired, and I declared on Twitter, I'm in on Bryce. He's He's been funny. I liked his first episode. I'm in. I'm jumping from the Jatia bandwagon. I'm taking control of the Bryce bandwagon. And, of course, he's immediately booted. Yeah, I'm not sure you know how to drive a bandwagon, is the thing. No. And so on that note, I'm just going to jump right on board the Jeremiah and Trish bandwagons and steer them right over a curb. Yeah, I'm glad we're re-recording this, because we didn't get to have our great Who's Hotter, LJ or or, uh, Jeremiah debate. Yeah, which is disappointing. So for International Women's Day, that that should be our (laughs) first segment, Who's Hotter, (laughs) Jeremiah or LJ? Uh Because I feel like looking at LJ... He's the guy that should be selling me a Ford F-150. Absolutely. And you know what? He's been the one we were like, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, he's not outrageously handsome, but yes, you can see it. But I, I got to say, this episode, there were some angles in Jeremiah. It's like, all right, I take it back. You're good looking enough to be on a beauty tribe. He's got kind of some piercing eyes and some feathery hair. I'm trying to p- picture the actor that he kind of reminded me of, and I was thinking like Dukes of Hazard, John Schneider. Wow, that's a deep pull and uh half of our audience probably won't know what dukes of hazard is so let's talk about basketball instead 
Exactly. Let's alienate them with different references. But yeah, so, uh, you, you can be team LJ. I'll be team Jeremiah, but I actually, I'd rather just be team LJ. Well, the next, next woman that we get as a guest on this podcast, which we actually almost had one this week when my audio was lost, uh, we're going to ask her. We're going to get a opinion and a woman who ladies, actually is attracted to men that aren't dorky. That'd be interesting. That, that would be interesting. Have we ever had one of those on the show? Well, let's see. We have, we've had Emma a couple times. We had our own wives. So maybe not. Yeah. And something quirky who was apparently into, uh, Jason from fans vs. favorites. Well, his so, brother anyway, maybe Jason's the ugly oh, yeah. one, but yeah, it's getting back to Bryce. Um, he certainly looked like he was going to deliver all the entertainment that we figured he was cast for. In fact, he had some great lines that were going to probably just be part of the lexicon from here on out. But more than that, like, just especially in the first episode, and you saw it in this episode too, like, he seemed to have a good head on his shoulders for this, you know, strategical and social aspects of the game. And I'm kind of sad that he never really had a chance to do anything. And that's kind of what happens with a six person tribe. There's not a lot of options and he was on the outside of four and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. He tried to play it the right way. There's just, like you said, there's only so many ways you can go when you have five other people and you in a tribe. And thanks for using the word strategical like Tony. That'll lead us right into talking about Tony. Yeah. So, uh, he got the, uh, episode title this week, uh, cops are us. And I spent a lot of time bashing him to a degree last week. I wasn't really bashing him so much as his chances to succeed in the venture that he's undertaken. Uh, I was bashing him. <laughs> there you go. Um, I thought he had a good week. Asterix. He, yeah. What's odd is that we would say he had a better week when last week he found an immunity idol. Yeah, and but, I'm a bully for him. I get points for that. But uh this week... He continued uh, showing that he is going to keep trying to hide immunity idol clues, which is great. That's what you should do. He doesn't have a volcano to throw them in, but it still, it shows a smart play. And then he was also yeah. able to, I mean, by all indications, it seems like he was able to trick Sarah, who we think is the best player so far. So also kind of good. Yeah, the only problem with that is that there's really no need to trick Sarah and it's sort of bad strategy to trick her rather than making her an actual ally and then bringing in other allies through her. Yeah. So that's kind of gets back to what I was saying about him. He's not a dumb guy. He's, you know, his, he's got strong tactics. Like his moves thus far have worked the way he wants them to. It just, it demonstrates a, a misunderstanding of how to succeed in this game. So, yes, absolutely, build that alliance with Sarah. That's what we were saying before the show even started, and I'm glad he got a second chance for that for his sake. And if you're in trouble, that's the sort of lie he did told, which, again, it seemed like he was pretty convincing. It's the sort of thing you do. You you drive wedges behind between people if you have to. But at this stage in the game, you didn't have to do that. You don't need to go negative just yet. You need to build equity and build alliances and he's still just in attack mode he just sees sarah as a means of to an end to get rid of cliff and i just i I don't actually even understand the cliff obsession why would you want to get rid of uncle cliffy ever first of all but especially now yeah he's gonna help you win he's good for the tribe yes he's so tony's upset because people like cliff but you know what 
an atmosphere where people get along and stuff, that's a strong atmosphere from which to grow and, you know, succeed in this game. Because as we've seen from the first three episodes, which are the first three in the history of the game that all eliminated men, the only way you can really guarantee that you're not getting voted out of Survivor is to not go to tribal council. So you shouldn't be doing things to your tribe that will create an atmosphere that will accelerate the process to tribal council. And you're going to get rid of the guy that can reach all the high coconuts. Why would you do that? Exactly. And, we, and if hey, he but, removes Cliff before the basketball challenge, then Tony is dead to me. You also brought up that we've had three votes and there are three men gone. Do you think that Jeff Probst returned to his trailer after that third vote and just hung his head and cried? Uh, the, the real answer instead of the funny answer is probably not because it was Bryce. <laughs> that was a mildly funny answer. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure the I mean, Reddit subforums are going crazy. Sorry. This is what you're going to get, crosstalk. We usually edit that out. Uh, he probably likes Bryce as a character, but, you know, Bryce doesn't fit the profile of the Jeff Probst manly man that'll send him, you know, in tears. I thought you were going to say send him nude pics. I don't know why my mind went there, but it did. This is also wicked to Jeff. Yes, it normally would, but we're not going to. But what, what did so, you think of uh, Tony's moves? Because I think I soaked all the air out of that conversation. No, you didn't. I mean, you mostly covered what I was going to hit on anyway. To, it, he's playing so hard when it doesn't need to happen yet i mean let the game come to you to a degree like it's fine to recruit sarah as an ally and that's the thing you would think he learned okay i gave sarah a little something and now she's my ally i can give someone else a little something and that'll make them my ally instead he's just driving wedges between her and other people so that she's his and his alone but then that's only two people what does that do for you i mean it's one more than he had before but yes it's certainly not enough Especially because, like, he named half of the tribe as conspirators against her. So it's really, it's like, who, what's your next move, Tony? And I think that's part of the issue. He's not thinking to the next moves. He's just so excited to be making moves. And you see right. this a lot, and he's a fan. I'm not going to deny that he's not. not. Not that, honestly, being a fan or not being a fan is all that important to me as a viewer. Uh, but clearly, he's probably somebody who sat on the couch and thought of many different things he would do if he ever got out there. And they should try something like this. And, oh, this would be such a crazy idea. And now he's out there, and he wants to do them all at once. It's kind of the opposite to me of what David did last week, where David's planning for, like, day 39. I feel like Tony's only planning for, like, three days ahead. Like, he's just not thinking long game at all at this point. Yeah. And uh so we were... I was somewhat impressed with Tony, but again, the, the same mistakes are carrying forward. Is there anybody else who kind of impressed you this episode besides, you know, Morgan and the water throwing contest? <laughs> We're not going to discuss that International Women's Day. So, uh, I did like that LJ got the idea to go looking for the, uh, idol and I'm kind of confused why nobody else on his tribe thought it was odd that he went looking for it during a monsoon. No one brought up, hey, why is he going off while we're all huddled for warmth? But oh, whatever. I, they're the beauty tribe. They're not known for their brains. Yeah. And also so. the huddled for warmth might be the answer. They're like, you know what? Screw it. You do what you want. I'm freezing and I don't want to be here. But at some point, doesn't it make you curious that he's fine with being freezing out in the rain yeah i will say this could be maybe one of those things and they did suggest uh one of them either alexis or morgan i'm not sure 
why don't we go into the water? You know, probably operating under the idea, like, it's colder when you're outside of the pool than when you're in. So if you're just going to be wet anyway, maybe you should be submerged. But, yeah, I think they just didn't care. Uh, Bryce has said in post-interviews that it did raise his alarms, but nobody else seemed to care. But people always say things in post-interviews that make them seem smarter than they did on the show. That's the beauty of hindsight. Hey, and speaking of which, since we get to uh, go back and re-record what we said, now we can change any opinions that we might have had if we have any new information, which we unfortunately don't. But I do want to change one thing. So this is the one positive about you know spending our Saturday night to do this thing again. Um, it's time for the next segment of the show. It's called the Zero Percent Club where we declare which survivors, due to the actions that we've seen, now have 0% chance of winning Survivor. And it's important to note that that doesn't mean they're unlikely to win. It doesn't mean that they are likely to be voted out soon. Those are different things. This means we think they have no chance to win. Uh, the first week, I added Jatia and Tony to that club. Uh, John is a little more conservative than me, as are many Americans to Canadians. Bam! <laughs> and the geopolitical rant goes off again. Um, when we first recorded, we didn't add anybody to this list, and I've had some time to think about it, and I've changed my mind. How about you, John? I, I'm, again, so close to adding one person, and I, I can't pull the trigger yet. Alright, so I'm pulling need, the trigger. I need one more episode. I have decided to add Alexis to the list. And here's why. Uh, and, and why I didn't do it before, is it's almost like I want to see a bit more from her. Like she's, you know, 0.1%. I just don't know enough about her to make an assessment. But the more I thought about it, that's why she's a zero percenter. So this is an episode we just finished watching where she was on the chopping block and editing did a very good job and look, making it look like it, there was a very real possibility that she'd be going home. And despite all of that, they didn't show her for like more than two minutes. <laughs> Like they, they, they were not interested in Alexis at all. And that is not something you do for somebody that's going to end up winning your game. Right. So my on the fence people, there was actually two, I should take that back, were Alexis and Lindsay. And I'm still not quite ready, although you, you made basically the argument that I had for Alexis being in there. So again, I'm going to hold off one more week. By next week, I'll probably have a, a little handful of people to add to this club, I think. Yeah, like Lindsay, similarly, she hasn't been featured that much. But then you have to go back and think, it's like, how much was Natalie White featured at this point? But Natalie White wasn't almost voted out in one of those episodes. Like, typically the show, if somebody is about to be evicted or close to being evicted, they suddenly get to start talking. Alexis didn't get to start talking about anything other than I believe she was the one that brought up the idea of the vote splitting. But she didn't get any confessionals. So, and she escaped, um, you know, and the show didn't care. Yeah. The show didn't care about her at all. So that tells you all you need to know. We might see more of Alexis. I'm not saying she's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, she's clearly now in a power alliance amongst her group. Uh, that could carry her to the merge. Once she gets to the merge, she's not a target, but she isn't going to win 0% chance. Yeah, the reading the edit thing, just think back to South Pacific and the first time you saw Cowboy Rick get a confessional and you went, well, this is the week he's going home because it hadn't happened all scenery or all season. He was just scenery in the background the whole time. And then he finally gets the confessional and you're like, okay, so this is the time he goes home. 
So, and then that'd be like a rule for me from here on out. If you don't get to talk the episode where you almost get voted out, you're dead to me. Zero percent. Ooh, I, I, you're going to get caught by that Probably. on one of these weeks. <laughs> oh, man, I might break that rule if I feel like it, <laughs> but not now. So I've got three people. I'm soon, I'm going to run out of contestants soon, especially since none of those people have been voted out yet. Well, what's the penalty if you're wrong on this? You get to ruthlessly make fun of me. I do that anyway. But even but now you'll actually have a reason to instead of Oh, but you know, now I get to do it on the podcast hey, instead of via text no, message. Not just amongst okay. your friends and to your wife. Okay. All right. So uh next we actually had a guest the last time we t- made this conversation. <laughs> uh it was kind of fortuitous in the sense that the guest was at my house. So it was kind of easier to edit around John, which made for just great podcasting. Yes, yeah, so if it uh if it sounds awkward that I'm not there. I was there. You just can't hear me. I'm like, I'm a ghost in the sixth sense just talking while no one can hear me. Wait a second. Are you suggesting he was dead the whole time? Oh, spoiler alert. Damn. So, so yeah, we're going to play that segment for you now. And just, yes, as a disclaimer, there might be once or twice where it seems like John should be talking now. Or maybe I'm using a plural when talking to somebody. Uh, he did. He had just brilliant things to say that, you know, we're never going to talk about again. So, uh, here's the segment. All right, so yeah, we're going to do something a little different. I mean, not different for this podcast. Uh, we usually have guests from time to time, and tonight's no exception. But what's different is we're having a live in-studio guest, or at least one of the studios. Well, welcome to the show, my brother-in-law, Billy. Uh, Billy, say hello. Hello, everyone. We're having him on not just because, you know, him putting his nephew to bed tonight allowed us to start recording early, but... I actually think he's going to bring an interesting perspective. Uh, what we do on the show is, you know, two long-time and deeply nerdery fans about Survivor just talk about all the small stuff, which, look, that's probably our audience, but I think there's kind of a different perspective that could be interesting. At least I'm interested in it. So, uh, Billy, how long have you been watching Survivor? Well, I actually did watch the first season of Survivor, like, for everybody. other people, yeah. Everyone and I watched the the I watched uh, Tina Weston win Survivor, and those are the only episodes of Survivor I've watched since uh, this since last year. So you started watching again like twenty six seasons in. Yeah. Uh, what made you decide to do that? Well, I knew you were you were doing your podcast. I figured, eh, he's my brother in law. I'll give it a listen and. You know, get, put that one extra download for you too. So, and whenever you listen to someone who are really enthusiastic about something, it makes you think you're missing out. And and I've, I've you know, Survivor's been around forever. I've I'm vaguely I've always been vaguely aware of it on the sort of edges of my consciousness. Various names percolating in the ether, like Rupert and Russell and Boston Rob. So I just finally, you know what? I'll watch the season of Survivor as you, you and John were, are, are kind of following it along with us on your podcast. But yeah, no, that, I mean, that's awesome. You became what I, we expected to be about the third or fourth listen of our podcast. Uh, kind of turned out to be a bit more of that, but yeah, it just kind of blows my mind that like, 26 seasons in, there's still somebody that might be watching it for, you know, either the first time or, like, as you said, it's kind of common. You watched it the first season, then left. 
Yeah, so I was bringing Billy on the show to kind of have a bit of a newbie perspective, but it's not quite a newbie perspective. I mean, you've only been watching now for, what are we on, four or five months, but how many seasons have you seen now? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just finishing up, up Micronesia right now. So that's season 16? Yeah, and you saw all 15 before that, huh? Yeah. So you've been, yeah, he, he's been cramming for this uh, appearance. So that's kind of interesting that, you know, the things that I try to dial back and, like, way back in my brain, it's pretty fresh for you. So basically you've seen every show that's on DVD. Yeah, yeah. except uh, Heroes vs. Villains. Yeah, and you're, are you, you're reserving that until they fill in the gaps? Uh, I'm debating, or I'll just skip skip there. Yeah. All right, so that actually kind of um, leads us into the historical discussion we wanted to uh, bring up this week. So if you're new to the show, what we try to do either every week or every other week is uh, have a segment where we basically talk about the history of Survivor because that's what we're mostly interested in. New seasons are mostly just, you know, fodder for us to discuss the past. Uh, but also, it's a way of relating to what's going on right now, and that brought us to a, a question that we had in our email. Uh, and this one comes from Melissa. What are some seasons I should track down to get a better handle of how things are played today and are just great seasons that I've missed? So, basically, what we took the question on and what the historical segment is, is if you were introducing the show to a new person, what season would you recommend? Since we have a relative newbie on the show here, how about how about you give us an answer? What would you tell your brethren? Well, uh, when I first decided to go back to the earlier seasons, I kind of was very randomly picking and choosing the seasons from Amazon.com and .ca, kind of whichever was cheaper from whichever site. I'll just interrupt right there. .ca is actually an internet <laughs> extension that means Canada for all you U.S. listeners, America's hat. Yeah, but basically. This first box in the mail I got was a very random selection of seasons, just kind of whichever was cheapest. And so the first season I watched out of that box was Palau. I think, like, All Stars and Pearl Island was in this one. And I just picked Palau because I just knew that was kind of uh, a season without any returnees coming in or people who are subsequently going to become returnees on All Stars, for example. And I got to say, I think Palau is actually a pretty good season to start survivor is just um it's a i think it's probably one of the near great season survivor and it has like an actual winner you can actually like get behind which i think is a problem with a lot of the earlier seasons with the survivor but um i think a problem with the earlier seasons of survivor is they just play way too coy with who's gonna win the season so when you get to the end of the Amazon and Jenna Maraska gets like a 6-1 win at the jury it just makes no sense because Frankly, you're watching the season, like, the Amazon is a season, for example, is the season why Rob Sesternino wins Survivor. Like, he just completely is there and narrating and dominating the season. And then he kicks out, gets kicked out at third, so it's just a really alienating season, kind of. And they just play way too coy. Like, Jenna doesn't get really get a hero edit. Like, she gets, she's actually kind of villainous in that season, for example. And I think they just, that's a problem. And I think Australia is also a pretty good season. It's just a neat season to look at, just visually. Like, this is definitely one of those seasons you wish they had HD cameras, just because it's, you know, the wide open vistas of the Australian Outback is just really something different. And one other season I think is a really good, like, has a really great start to it is Pearl Island, which I'm a little down on it later in the season, but just 
it's just a different start to it, and just you really get the personalities. Whereas most seasons is like, here we are dropping off eight people, and you don't really get to know them, and then they kick someone out. Whereas Pearl Island, you really get to know some of those people and personalities, and just you kind of see how the season's gonna go from there. So, but it also has the show destroying twist to it, which is why I would hesitate to suggest Pearl Island for a new person. All right. Well, before you list every season that you've seen, uh, yeah, no, I think kind of Billy started that is that you have to think of what's the qualifications if you're in, you're going to introduce the show to a new person. What what's the basis? Because obviously, one way is just pick your favorite season and throw. But I think what Billy was getting at is kind of thing. You want to avoid seasons that require some level of prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the nice thing about Survivor, unlike you know throwing somebody you know season five of you know a scripted show, is it generally resets itself every year. In yeah. fact, in the early seasons, it had no institutional memory up until All Stars. It was basically just tabula rasa every time, and they almost like avoided kind of meta discussions about what the game and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But yeah, it would depend. Is this new? Are you introducing Survivor to a new person so that they will then become a live watcher of Survivor, or so that they will have you know a season, a show of twenty seven seasons? And I think the goal would be that they'd be live and then they could mm-hmm. listen to the Purple Rock podcast as they <laughs> follow along. So then I think you want something with a little bit of modernity to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early seasons are almost like a, a different era altogether. Like Definitely. From one to all stars is a different show than it is now mm-hmm. in many ways. So yeah, you want something that has at least a bit of a modern spin. Again, I love all star seasons. Uh, in many ways I view non all star seasons as just kind of the you know, developmental league for the all-star seasons, but I would never tell somebody to start there. Uh, even in, you know, a season like Heroes vs. Villains, which might be its best, you could almost start there because the storytelling is so strong there, but really you're going to have a more enjoyment if you know, you know, who Boston Rob is beforehand, who Parvati is. Russell, I don't know, he's kind of the same both times, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Well, my pick is Cook Islands, which is one of my favorites. But also I feel like it's a narratively, you know, clean season. Again, there's no returnees to start because that's something they didn't really get into other than all-star seasons until later. You can kind of see what the show is about. You've got really great personalities, you know, I believe, what, three characters that have been brought back three times each. Penner, Ozzy, Candace, and, you know. Poverty. Poverty, yes, there we go, so four. Um, and then somebody who should have been brought back who's one of the best players and the best winner in the history of the show so great strategy and in fact an episode that like lays out strategy through talk in ways that really didn't happen before and you know has become more of a commonplace since the one thing the one disclaimer though is when you're using this as your introduction to this is what survivor is and what it can be you just have to say just don't worry about the twist it's not what you think it is, and it's not going to last long. Because I could, obviously, that would put people off. In fact, I literally think it put people off and really put us, a, you know, a, a sponsor off if <laughs> they no longer give out trucks. But yeah, if you just tell your friend, don't worry, it's not actually Survivor Race Wars. This is a great season, and I think if you watch that season, you'd get hooked on this show pretty good. Yeah, this is a question I posed to both of you because I've only ever watched the show as it goes on. In fact, I've never even gone back and watched the show. Uh, if they ever put it out for streaming, and come on, CBS, put it out for streaming, then maybe I'd check some of it out. But 
what's it like watching a season of Survivor when you know the outcome? Because for me, I hate being spoiled even the end of the episode. Like, that's why, you know, I stay off Twitter while it's on. Uh, back when it used to be more popular, I'd have to make sure I watch Survivor before I go to bed because sometimes, like, morning DJs would talk about, we're talking to the latest, you know, castaway. And it's just like, everything about the show is edited towards the result. It's like a, like a spy novel and it's all about who done it. You guys have watched the show knowing the end. Um, what kind of show does it become when you do that? I gotta say, I think most of the seasons I've watched, like, I think Panama's kind of the exception. Like, you just sort of, they get the winner's edit kind of thing. Like, they're more front and center. They're the more, they're the one narrating it a bit. So you just already, you already get the sense, like, this person is at the center of it. And, except for the earlier seasons where they, it's kind of just weird. No, they didn't know what kind of show they were yet. Yeah, and I actually made a, some effort to, like, when I get these DVDs, there there's the, you, you open it up, and then the person at the top is the winner, except for Pearl Island. <laughs> and I, I kind of, like, would take that, take the, the piece of paper out and put it out, like, so the white side's out, and look, w- watch them that way. And I think Marquesas was the one I actually succeeded in doing that with. And that was a weird one, just because, like, oh, these two people are in the final tribal council. These yeah. people who've been kind of hanging out in the back of the, the class. and I don't know. It's, for those earlier seasons, I think it would have been better knowing... The early seasons, I think it would have been better knowing who wins, just so you know to watch them, like, see what they're doing. And the later seasons, I don't think it matters as much, just because they tend to put this winner more front and center, period. Whether they're really driving the n- narrative forward or not. I will say that's a bit of a modern, or, like, recent phenomenon, like last season, uh, some probably some of the later ones you've watched. Mm-hmm. But there have been some later period Survivor where the winner does come out of nowhere. So, Yeah, and it's for similar reasons. The show doesn't feel like that person has enough to deliver and they want to focus on another character. And certainly that happened in Marquesas, uh, not to the degree of a later season that you know we're alluded to, alluding to, but also, yeah, in Amazon. But I think they did learn some lessons with Amazon because people were pissed when Jenna won. Like, like stop watching this show pissed, you know? I was pissed because I was a different kind of viewer back then. This actually kind of leads me to another question before we even finish our historical discussion, but this is all history. What do you like about Survivor? Because I watch it. I love strategy. I love the thought process. I love watching, trying to figure out what's going to happen and also just what would I do in those scenarios. Uh, what's what's the appeal for you, Billy? Uh, I was watching a pod. I was listening to a podcast, Pop Culture Happy Hour, hosted by Linda Miss Ali Holmes, who is a survivor blogger for many years on Television Without Pity, and they were having a discussion about reality television. And Stephen Thompson on the podcast kind of says he watches reality television the way he watches sports, and I think that's basically how I watch Survivor. That's why. Like, that's why your podcast had a very... That appealed to me. Like, you basically watch it like it's a sport. Like, what is the best move for this person? Who? How are they going to do it? You know, what What do these people need to do to pull out a win kind of thing? And that's that's basically how I've been watching Survivor. Like, how is this person... Like, how does this person pull out a win? Cook Islands, for example, like, they're down 4-7 after Candace does her mutiny. It's like, how is... You know, you'll win somehow. How does he pull this out? And it's just, and it's just that's just how I watch it. Like it's a sport. 
Except, of course, that you don't actually watch sports. How well, yourself? that's the thing. That's the appeal of Survivor. Yeah. When I was thinking about, if you add up all the hours and 28 seasons worth of Survivor, that's maybe, like, two seasons worth of a baseball team. Like, it's a much smaller segment of something I can understand. Fewer people. They don't have the same people showing up again. Basically, the only thing I, I can compare it to is watching hockey at the Olympics. Like, you know, there's only, like, 12 teams with X number of players. It's something I can get my mind around and not have to... Basically, I don't have to do as much work for it. So, and for our American listeners, hockey is a sport played on ice with blades on their feet. Yeah, uh, Survivor renews itself. is exciting. And it's also, yeah, I watch it like sports. That's why it's become the thing for me. But also, it's a real-life strategy game, which is another thing I enjoy doing. All right, so we've told people, I guess, now five seasons that they could try um, if you're... Either they themselves are starting, or they want to get a friend into it. But uh, let's let's help them out in a better way. Uh, what seasons should they avoid showing to a new person, either to start or maybe at all? Of the seasons that you've watched, Billy, is there one that you would recommend that somebody doesn't start with, whether it's a bad season or a good season? Just this is not a good place for to jump onto the show. Uh, I think the one that comes to mind immediately is Africa. I can see the appeal of Africa, but I think for a new viewer, it's just... The survival aspect's just a little too extreme. Like, they're literally bathing themselves in an elephant poo pile. Like, it's just... It's gross. And there's... There's the good tribe and the bad tribe, and the bad tribe is really bad. Like, that was the young versus old tribe, who... They're all terrible, terrible people it's just it's a really not great start to the season and it's just i think there's stuff worth watching and just honestly just the scenery alone almost makes africa worth it as a season of survivor but it's just not a great start to a survivor season no i agree with that in fact africa is not one of my favorites at all i wouldn't say avoid it if you're gonna go through the process of watching a lot of them then yes watch africa it's definitely different um there's things to learn about it but yeah if you started with africa i don't know why you'd continue watching this show be like, oh, that's kind of a slog, huh? Yeah, and then on top of that, there was some pretty uncomfortable stuff going on with Big Tom and Clarence. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you watch that season, it would just be like, oh, okay, that's the kind of show it is, huh? I'm going to go watch things that aren't quite so dull. Like, it's, this is like one of those kind of later period albums of like a artist that you really like. It's like, oh no, you can really kind of see some things there. So, like, watching Africa would be maybe part of your advanced level survivor studies. It's not worth avoiding. It's got some good characters, but definitely you wouldn't start there. And also in the winter too, he, like, Ethan comes across as a nice guy, but you're not exactly rooting for him and you don't really see the big moves. That's the other thing. I kind of, I, I really like watching it for the big moves people make and the risks they take. And he kind of, he was in the dominant alliance. And that's the, that's the thing I really don't like about the earlier seasons is that basically it's all a pagong fest. You know, the dominant alliance takes over at the merge, votes everyone out, and someone from that alliance wins. All right, so I propose that we should talk about the worst one, but I didn't actually come up with an example in my own head. Uh, <laughs> also, I have I have one more example of I think a season you shouldn't start people on, and um, it's Guatemala because a forgotten um, season. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. It comes right after Palau, and Stephanie and Bobby John are sort of the two returnees on opposite tribes, and um, it probably has some of the most extreme challenges that Survivor has had. 
Like, they basically start with, like, an 11-mile march, and people are literally collapsing from heat exhaustion, and it's really not fun to watch at the very beginning, too. Oh, yeah, that's easily the toughest thing the show has ever done. Uh, my answer, uh, and I already kind of talked about it a bit, is don't start with All-Stars. I, I actually really love All-Stars as a season. I know there's kind of mixed opinions of it out, out there on the interwebs, but... Uh, yeah, I was all for it. I think it also kind of advanced the show into another level, a show with its own history and that sort of thing. And look, I'll flat out admit, I bought right into the Rob and Amber stuff. But that season, I think, would basically mean nothing if you hadn't seen at least the majority of the seasons that came before. You can absolutely skip Thailand and just pretend that she ends somebody that they brought into the show. I'm not even sure if Marquesas is that necessary, except that, you know... It's interesting to see Rob go from that to what he becomes. But yes, it's a good season. You should definitely watch it, but don't start there. I guess also just if your goal is to get somebody into the show as it is now, there's really no point in watching any of those first eight seasons. Yeah, You can go back and watch those, but it's just such a radically different show. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Bill. I want to thank you for uh, putting my kid to bed so I didn't have to read him stories tonight. Woo! <laughs> Not a problem, Andy. Oh, that segment was so much more fascinating without my voice in it. Anyway, speaking of voices that weren't in the last segment, we have a voicemail this week from Come On In Here. I'll play it now because it'll lead right into our predictions for next week. Hey, guys, this is Come On In Here at the AV Club. Um, the previews for next week's episode showed that they were going, that the Bronze Tribe was going to consider throwing the challenge. Doesn't like reality show karma come back to bite people who have done that in the past and, and recognize that there's a lot of seasons in the middle I missed. But I'm thinking specifically on Boston Rob's coronation season, the other tribes through the challenge to get rid of Hans, and they had like won every challenge up to that point, and they lost every challenge after that point. Is that a common theme with people who throw challenges? All right, thanks. Love the show, guys. Bye. Okay, I'm glad this question was asked because I think this has been brought up a couple times and I know CBS and Probst in particular love to create this fantasy that throwing a challenge is awful and it's always going to lose you the game and it's bad karma and all these other things. There are times, many times throughout this show's run where throwing a challenge is the right thing to do and people have done it successfully uh, China's the best possible example of it when you're given the other team's two strongest guys. Throw the challenge and get rid of them. They unfortunately didn't succeed the second time they tried to throw a challenge, but at least the first time they got rid of one of the guys. Andy, can you think of any other examples? Yeah, so Gabon was a similar situation. It wasn't quite as bad as China where the show told you to pick your strongest members and send. But in one of the two swaps, suddenly uh, the doctor guy, handsome doctor from looks like he could be a soap opera guy. Can't remember his name. Marcus. Uh, he ended up on Sugar's tribe. And I don't know if they threw the challenge, but they lost and they were very happy to get rid of him. And if they weren't throwing that challenge, they very well should have been. Uh, and I kind of think they were, because I think Kenny was suggesting that. Uh, I didn't remember this before when we recorded the earlier podcast, but another benefit of re-recording. Uh, on a comment on the AV Club, somebody brought up Africa. And in Africa, Ethan's group threw the challenge to get rid of Silas. And Ethan won a million bucks. So, you know, that worked out all right. Yeah, and again, the show tends to, at least in recent years, suggest that throwing a challenge... is Russell Hance 
third time, I think it was, mm-hmm. when he came back, and it was basically the Boston Rob season. You almost forget that he was even on it. But Russell's tribe intentionally threw a challenge. That was a bad idea. That's an example of when it's a dumb time to throw a challenge. And they got rid of Russell, and yes, it totally screwed up their dominance, and they went in to the merge, and Boston Rob picked them all off. That was a bad time to do it. But that's not necessarily the rule or the exception to the rule. There is no rule. It's case by case. Yeah, no, look, if the show hands you a scenario where it makes sense, and look, use caution. Again, this isn't a move to be excited to do. You must think it over, think it over, and think twice. Because what you don't want to do is what they did at Redemption Island, where I'm all in favor of trying to get rid of Russell earlier than later. It sunk a lot of people's games, including Tyson and Boston Rob, that he hung around Heroes vs. Villains so long. Because basically they only went to Tribal that one time to get rid of Randy, and then they were a victim of their own success. It can happen many times that tribes don't go to Tribal Council enough. That they haven't taken care of business enough. I think this happened in the Philippines as well. And then they start turning on each other. But you got to make sure that you're not handing momentum back. And in that scenario, and it's what happened in some others, and the reason why he's asking is is it looks like maybe it'll happen next week. You want to make sure the people that have been losing stay losing, at least long enough that it can't hurt you. And I believe in Redemption Island it was the third episode. Two votes isn't enough. Uh, no, it's really not. Yeah, three, three probably would have been enough. If they would have, you know, won, and who knows, maybe they just would have lost naturally. But if they would have won, and that other tribe would have now been down three, yeah, sure. Get rid of Russell before he can do damage to your tribe. Because it's a mistake to believe that you need to come in with numbers. If somebody like Russell, uh, is so opposed to you guys, then he's not a number. He's worse than the other side. But, two is not enough. Yeah, and, it was basically there was Russell had, I think, two girls with him in typical Russell fashion. But it was the whole tribe against them. They weren't going to have numbers unless there was any kind of a swap or merge. And they were far off from the merge. Yeah, Ralph had was, the idol. <laughs> oh, Ralph. But he didn't want to tell anybody that until they were at the Redemption Island Arena and he had to tell Russell. Like I, I think that was the big fear because Russell only had two girls in Heroes vs. Villains. And he was able to flip that. Like, he's a dangerous, dangerous guy. I fully support getting rid of him sooner than later. But that was too soon. But, again, if you are incentivized to lose by the game itself, then, yeah, sure. You need to get rid of people. That's Survivor. So I don't get upset when it happens. The show does. Because they don't they don't want to set up a situation where the little contests that they set up are delegitimized. De- it's the same reason why gambling in baseball is far worse than steroids. Because the fan needs to know what they're watching actually matters to the, to the participants. But here's the thing. The challenges within Survivor is not the game of Survivor. They're just little things. People throw challenges all the time in the post-merge situation. Where they just decide, I don't want to win this one because it'll look, you know, threatening. So I don't care if a team decides that, yes, it's more important for me to eliminate this threat than it is to win a challenge tonight. But you got to be careful. So this leads right into our predictions for next week because, again, in the preview, they hint that there might be a challenge thrown. Do you think it happens? And who's going home from Braun? Well, so it certainly looks like they talk about it. Now, it could be a situation like, uh, you know, in China where they, they go in thinking they're going to throw the challenge 
And they just can't. Like, they just can't lose badly enough to beat, say, the Brains tribe. Um, I would hope more what happens is they, they talk about it because what I think is happening is Sarah now has caught on to what Tony's doing. They set it up in such a way that she's talking to Wu about a male. So it could be Cliff or Tony. And I just, even though Tony was able to convince Sarah that Cliff was, you know, among a group talking about thro- voting her out, I don't see what Cliff would do that's like, I gotta get rid of him now. I think it's more like, I gotta watch out for that guy. Whereas Tony, if she finds out that he's lying to her, if he's doing other things, maybe even that they find out he has an idol. That's a guy I could see, much like Russell Hans, oh, we better get rid of him before he can hurt us. Especially if you suspect that you're soon to be getting new tribe members onto your... Which they will. By episode five, there's going to be new people. So... If they are throwing it, I think it's because they're afraid of Tony. Will they do it? I don't know. But it, it's the wrong thing to do if they were are planning on doing it. I don't think they intentionally throw it. I think that's a thing that's discussed and they decide against it. However, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if they do lose the challenge, Tony goes home. Yeah, and uh, I think if we they do lose it, and this is going to lose some of the you know, impact from when I shockingly revealed this last time, if they do throw the challenge and thus end up a tribal council, I think it is to vote out Tony, but Tony has a immunity idol in his pocket. And if they throw the challenge in a way that a lot of other people have done it, in such blatantly obvious ways that the person that they're trying to get rid of knows that they were doing, that's what happened in China. That's what happened in Marquesas when they threw the challenge to get rid of Boston Rob. Um, I think that would alert Tony enough that he'd play his idol, especially if he wasn't in on the plan of throwing the challenge. And then who goes home? Then Cliff goes home, and that makes me sad, but... I would explain some of the editing we've been getting. They've been setting up the story of Tony versus Cliff. We got it in the first week. We got it this week. And just like they set up Boston Rob versus Russell, and Russell got the best of Boston Rob, I think Tony gets the best of Cliff if this is what happens. Okay, so let's move on to the easiest prediction. Beauty Tribe, who goes home? There's no reason for it not to be Morgan. You don't make the move that you made this week to you know shore up your alliance of four and boot Bryce. And then flip on each other then, so. Yeah, Morgan's gone. If, if Beauty loses, Morgan's yeah, gone. And it's the only move to make, and maybe then we'll bring some of our, you know, jokes out of retirement. Not even jokes. Our slobbery old dads commenting on Young Flesh just for the last time. <laughs> and, uh, Brains Tribe. There's maybe at least some debate here. Yeah, so last week I said it would be Spencer, and I, Said that would be a dumb move, and that's why I thought Brains would do it. And if you watch this episode, it certainly seemed like that's how it would go. With Tasha and her oh-so-clever, you know, you really want to practice for this challenge. Like, they did all they could to make sure Spencer knew that he was number four of four. But if they lose again, and the way Jatia was even acting this episode with the, oh man, I wish there was some rice. There's no way she could last another three days in this game. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you. It's Jatia if they lose. You know what? Maybe we should do this every week. Like, we got through that pretty fast. We did. So how about you guys let us know um, if this was podcast was okay or if you're like, no, I want more of the rambling. I want more of the jokes. Um, you can contact us in many ways. Uh, Twitter, Purple Rock Pod at Twitter. Nope. <laughs> at Purple Rock Pod. How about that? There you go. 
How about that? Uh, you can uh, f- follow the podcast itself at, on WordPress, purplerockpodcast.wordpress.com, Tumblr, purplerockpodcast.tumblr.com. You can subscribe on iTunes. And Which you should do, because we're awesome. And then uh, you can leave us messages the way our listeners did this week. And how did that happen, John? They sent a Skype voicemail to either JR Purple Rock or Purple Rock Podcast on Skype. And then we got an email at purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. But next week... <laughs> next week we're going to try something. I'm not saying it's going to go well. I'm not saying we'll do it successfully. But we're going to attempt for the first time, and let's be honest, it'll be the only time because I can never pull this off again. We're going to try a Google Hangout, an actual YouTube stream of our podcast. Once again, we'll have no editing. So lots of ums, lots of awkward pauses, uh, lots of Andy and I lovingly staring into each other's eyes as we talk. It's going to be so awkward for me. Uh, not only because I'll be lost in your dreamy eyes, but, uh, I am somebody who spends time on the internet. Thus, I am terrible at maintaining eye contact. Well, that's okay. I plan to, like, position the webcam so that it, I won't be looking towards the webcam, so it won't look like I'm looking at you. So that's right. You get to see what your hosts look like, and hopefully it'll be as satisfying for you as it was when John finally got to experience Jatia. <laughs> I can't possibly live up to that hype. So uh, follow us on many of those avenues, and we'll let you know the details if we are truly going forward with it, what time and where. Uh, certainly we decided that we conquered the current technological medium, so we're trying something brand new. And until then... Um, Thank you for listening, and thank you for your patience for this week's uh, timing of the uh, for when we podcast. Posted. There we go. <laughs> sure, this that's is what, what we call this thing. This is a podcast. This is what it sounds like when right. we don't edit. And uh, thank you. See you guys next week, hopefully. Theme music. <laughs> <laughs>